Last week, we started to think together about worship. And we said, worship is to honor God with an extravagant love and an extreme submission. Worship is to honor God with extravagant love and extreme submission. And we looked at the story of Moses and how Moses had a hunger for God that he wasn't just satisfied to meet with God in the temple of meeting. He wanted more than that. And so he said, Lord, I want more. I want to see you in greater detail. I want to see more of you. And finally, he went from one place to the next. And then finally, God put him in the cleft of the rock and showed him his glory. He said, I want to see your glory. And he said, you can't see it face to face because you'll die. But I'll put you there and you'll walk by or I'll walk by and I'll cover your face. And you will see my glory as it passes you by. You'll get to experience what it's like to be in the courts of heaven. And Moses said, that's the kind of a deal I like. So he went and he did that. But he had this hunger, this thirst, this desire for God. They said, I'm not satisfied with what I've got right now. I I want more. I want more. I want more. I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, there was a great woman of God in the Bible called Hannah. She had that same desire for God. And Hannah couldn't have children. And so she went to the temple with her family. They used to go up to the temple to pray. And Hannah was there and she was praying with such passion and such hunger for God. that The priest came, Eli came and said, you're drunk, go away. You've been drinking, you know, you've been uh, having too much red wine or something. Get out of here. We don't allow drunk people in the sanctuary. Go, go sober up, then you can come back. And she said, I'm not drunk. I got this kind of passion within me. Lord, just answer this prayer. And Eli said, well, whatever you're praying, I pray that the Lord will give you what you're asking for. And she said, Lord, if you can give me a son, I will give my son. Once he's weaned, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord gave her Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. In answer to that kind of passion that she had to go to God and say, God, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving here until, I, until you answer this prayer. Lord, I know you're there. I'm just going to stay. I want to go deeper with you. Give me, help me, show me. And we said last week that that level of hunger, the level of hunger that we have will determine the depth of our relationship with God. If you don't have any hunger, then your relationship's going to be very shallow. It's like with anything. The more energy you put in, the better you become at it. The more energy you put in, the more time and energy you invest in something, the deeper that you go in that particular area. You can't become an expert. You know, like, I learned how to play the piano when I was five years of age, six years of age. My mum sent me off to Mrs. Pretlove, her name was. Round the corner, scars go deep, you can tell. I still remember her name. She was, oh, she had the fear of God, that woman. You know, because I didn't used to practice very much. In fact, I used to figure that the less I practiced, the more the adrenaline rush, 
and therefore I'll do better at the lessons. It worked once that way, but the rest of the time, not. And so she would look at me and say, you haven't practiced. I could tell you haven't practiced. And then finally she said, well, I don't think there's much point carrying on. So she told my parents, I think you better just stop because you're just wasting money here. Why? Because I didn't really have the desire to do it. And so it was like parents were saying, you got, have you done your practice today? No. Practice today? No. You know, because I didn't have that desire with it. And so my level of piano playing stayed superficial. I can't play like Ronnie can play. Because Ronnie has the desire. You know, I go around and I go, where's Ronnie gone? He'll be upstairs in the music room playing away. You know, I've got a desire for other things, but not for that. I love playing the piano, but not that kind of desire. And so the relationship, if you don't have that desire with God, your relationship is not going to go deeper. It will go as deep as your desire for God. And so you need to ask God, as we did last week, Lord, deepen that desire within me that my desire can go so deep within you that it never reaches the desire I have for you. Take me on that journey. Because your desire will limit your, your, not only your relationship with God, but it limits your then effectiveness for God. That was what we learned from Moses. But desire in and of itself is not enough. There's more. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is a continuation from the story that we just told you about Hannah. Hannah had her boy Samuel. And then when he was weaned, she offered him back to the temple. And Samuel went in and he started working with Eli the priest. And so 24-7 he lived in the temple. He lived there, he breathed there, he ate there, he slept there. That's what his role was. He was given by Hannah back to God. And every time she would go up to the temple to pray, she would meet her son. Now, Eli was supposed to have a lineage of being the, the priest in the temple that went on from generation to generation. He had sons, but his sons were no good at all. They took that position that they had and they abused it. In chapter 2, verse 22, it says they, they used to, because of their position, they used to see women who were there serving in the temple and go off and sleep with them. And the wickedness of Eli's sons was well known to everybody around. Everybody used to go like, oh yeah, that's Eli's sons. They're terrible, man. And, and it used to be the gossip channels around Jerusalem, what Eli's sons used to get up to. And God said, even though this was my intent that you would be a lasting priesthood through Eli. I'm going to cut you off because of your sons. But God always comes out with his promise. And so Samuel was kind of adopted into Eli, if you like. And through Samuel, the priesthood continued. And then we pick it up in chapter 3. It said, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were, were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in the usual place. 
The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down at the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called him, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in the place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Samuel was living in the sanctuary, in the temple. He had his bed right next to the Ark of the Covenant, it says. That's where he would sleep. You couldn't get closer to God than that place. That's where the glory of God shone down. That's where God was. He was right there in the middle of everything. He was working in the temple day and night. He would be there making sure the lamps were all lit, putting the showbread on the table, on the altar, cleaning up after everybody else, keeping the place neat and tidy. That was Samuel's role. He was there right in the middle. All the religious leaders, the popes, the archbishops of Canterbury, all those people were all around him. He met with them day after day after day. He's there right in the middle, in the most spiritual place in the whole world. And yet... And yet it says, he did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. You see, being in a religious environment is not enough. You can be in the church 24-7. You can have any role that you like in the church. You can be a secretary or a treasurer. You can even be a minister. You can be an elder. You can be whoever you want to be. But it's not enough. Samuel was all of those. Eli was all of those. And yet the word of the Lord was scarce. It's not enough. You can come to church your whole life and never meet Jesus. That's not enough. You see, Samuel changed when he had that personal encounter with God. He didn't even know who it was. See, Eli, at least he knew who it was. He figured it out finally. Took him three times, but then he finally got there. And he said, look what he said. Eli said in verse uh, verse 9, he said, when he says it next time, say, speak, Lord, for your servants listening. And in verse 10, when God shows up, what does Samuel say? Speak for your servants listening. He wouldn't even call him Lord. 
because he didn't recognize who he was. He wasn't sure about who God was. But he said, well, speak, because I'm listening. Whoever you are, whatever you are, speak. Here I am, I'm listening. He needed that personal encounter with God before change would come. There are so many people who are in church, who are in positions and ministries in church. They're working so hard for God, but they don't know the God they're working so hard for. They're just doing the jobs that need doing without serving the Lord who's asking. And the first thing we need is that personal encounter with God, just as it was for Samuel. He was in the right place, but something was missing. God needed to show up in his life. And when God showed up in his life, look what happens. In verse 10, God showed him a purpose. Verse 10 and 11, he said, speak because I'm listening. And he said, see, Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears tingle. You see, once you meet with the risen Christ, you begin to understand what your purpose is. When Samuel met with God, that first encounter, he started to unfold what his purpose was going to be, that he was going to take over Eli's role. That's why God showed up to him. And it's the same for you and for me. Samuel was in the right place doing the right things. But it was only when God showed up in the midst of that that his purpose started to unfold. I want you to ask yourself today, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? You see, God has given you everything you need to fulfill the purpose He's placed in you. You know that? When He knit you together in your mother's womb, when He pronounced you fearfully and wonderfully made, He put in you a unique set of gifts and abilities. He arranged for you certain experiences in your life. He put in you a character. He put everything in you that you would require to fulfill the purposes that He has for you. And those purposes that He has for you are unique to you. It's not my purpose. It's your purpose. You know, we waste so much time comparing ourselves to one another, don't we? You know, if, if I, only I was... If only I was as handsome as Ronnie. You know. At least he's listening. You know, if only I could sing like Ronnie. If only I could play like Ronnie. If only I had hair like Ronnie, you know. The thing is, God has placed within me everything that I need to fulfill the purpose that he has for me. If I needed to be able to sing like Ronnie or better than Ronnie, he would have given me that voice and trained me in it. If I needed hair to fulfill my purpose, he would have given me hair to fulfill my purpose. You get what I'm saying? If I needed certain things, he has already provided that. I am not Ronnie because I do not have the purpose that Ronnie has for his life. 
God has given Ronnie everything Ronnie needs to fulfill the purpose that God preordained for Ronnie to fulfill. He gave him all the gifts and abilities and the appetite to fulfill that and the desire to fulfill that. And he's done the same for you. You need to know what the purposes of God are for your life right now. Because it's not just one purpose. You know, years ago, the purpose that God had for my life was to go to Africa and be a missionary and to learn certain things there. And then to come back and then go emigrate to Canada and go to Bible college and to help run a youth club there in the Bible college. And so the purpose continually changes and changes and changes right throughout your life. It's not just one purpose. This is why I'm here. It will continually grow and change and mold, but God will equip you for every single stage of that journey. You need to know, though, what that purpose is right now. What is the purpose that God is calling you to today? Because He's given you all the gifts and abilities to do that. He's given you what you need to accomplish, just as He gave it to Samuel. You are uniquely made by God to fulfill that purpose in your life. Amen? And I love this because God doesn't give up either. You know, some of us say, yeah, I agree with that, Pastor Dave, but you know what? I've messed up so many times. Like God, I think God's given up with me. I think God's just kind of now got frustrated with me because I've, I've, I've let him down and I've done this and I've gone off the rails here. And you know what? How many times does God have to go to Samuel? Four times before he finally has this communication. God doesn't give up with us. He says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and I knock 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 and I'm going to keep on knocking at that door until you open it up and I let me in then I will come in and have fellowship with you he would keep going to Samuel over and over and over and over again until Samuel finally figured out or when Eli finally figured out what was going on Lord I'm listening finally now I can impart my wisdom into you now we can begin this journey There's nothing that we can do that can separate us from the love of Christ. You know, we look at ourselves sometimes and we think, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. There are no excuses because God just says, I'm going to take you as you are. I'm going to take you as you are. Samuel, who didn't even know the Lord. Samuel, I'm going to take you as you are. And I'm going to make you fit for purpose. I've got things for you to do. Let me train you and teach you. David, I'm going to take you as you are, as messed up as you are, as confused as you are. And I'm going to train you and I'm going to lead you and I'm going to give you all these different experiences. Don't worry about it. Trust me. And God does the same for you too. He never gives up. In fact, God loves, He loves a challenge. He 
You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. There was nothing there. And the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos. And out of the chaos, God said, let there be. And there was. Out of the chaos of our lives, out of the chaos and the deadness that was around in Samuel's day and Eli's day, God spoke into that and said, I'm going to do something new here. And God says that for you and for me. I'm going to do something new. Turn to the person next to you. Say that. I'm going to do. God is going to do something new in your life. Tell them. God is going to do something new in your life. Because that is the thing that God loves to do. God's Spirit loves to do something new in your life. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to take you and do something new in you. So that you can grow and fulfill the purposes that He has for you. God's going to do something new. And when God reveals His purpose, He fills you with one thing, expectation. I am going to do something new, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. Now God could have said, you know what I'm going to do? Samuel, I'm going to do, and he could have listed out all the things he's going to do. But I think why it just says something is because there was so much that God was going to do. God was saying, you know what? I can't even begin to describe. You wouldn't even even have the, the, the handles on which to figure out and to understand what I'm going to do. You can't even comprehend what I'm going to do in Israel. The Israel that you're living in is spiritually dead. The priests are going off sleeping around with all the people that are coming to the temple. There is nothing going on. It's the period of the judges. Everybody was doing that which was right in his own eyes. But God said, I'm going to do something new. Something so amazing. Something so great. Something so out of your, even your comprehension. that all the ears are going to tingle. Every mouth is going to be chattering about it. It's going to be so amazing that all the nations around Israel are going to start talking about it, going, do you see what's going on in Israel? Do you see what's going on in Israel? And everybody's ears are going to be burning because of what God is going to do. That is the God that we serve, the one that loves to do something so amazing, something so new, that even we can't even begin to comprehend the depth and the breadth of what it is. You see, Samuel is kind of representing the new move of God here. It's like a relay race where the baton is passed forward. Eli had it, and now it's going on to Samuel. Eli was already weak. His eyes were dim. He could hardly see, but I think he could hardly see spiritually either. It's a symbol of his inside, his spirit, as well as his physical being. He could hardly see, but he passed the baton on. God did to Samuel. And 
said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to wash this place clean. I'm going to do something so amazing that people will write about it and 4,000 years later, they'll still be talking about it. I'm going to do something new in your life. And notice that God calls him twice. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. You know, very rarely in the Bible does God call people's names twice. And when he does, it's a symbol of covenant of promise. It's a symbol of elevation to something that's new. When Moses was standing by the burning bush, he said, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. There's a new covenant coming. There's a new thing coming. You need to go back, get the people of Israel out. I'm going to do something new. When he spoke to Jacob, and he said, Jacob, Jacob, I want you to go and take my people into Egypt. Go be there, and I'm going to make them flourish like a nation. Abraham, Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And that was when he was offering his son Isaac up. And he said, Abraham, Abraham, stop it. Don't do it. I'm going to provide a ram for you instead. And there was a new move of God in Abraham's life. He said it to Saul as well on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From now on, you're going to go and be my messengers. Go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. He said it to Peter, to Simon. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I am going to pray for you. Simon, Peter, the rock on whom the church was built. And he said it to Martha. When she was in the kitchen and Mary was at the feet of Jesus, Martha, Martha, why? Why are you stressing out there? Come, come and sit at my feet. Come and be here. Come and just soak. There's new things that need to happen in your life. When God says your name twice, it means there's something new is going to happen. There's an elevation. There's a, a new beginning. You see, when God makes a promise, When he makes a promise twice, you know it's going to come to pass. You know, I can say something like this this lectern here is white. And you can just look at it and go, well, he's lying. It's not, it's black. Anybody can see it's black. But if God says this lectern is white, it becomes white. Because God cannot be mistaken. This will become white because he has spoken. And whatever he speaks, whatever he promises, it will come to pass. So when he said, Samuel, Samuel, I'm going to do a new thing, something so amazing in Israel. Samuel knew it's going to come to pass. This is not just the idle chit-chat of God. This is a promise of God that's going to come to pass. Somebody asked me a little while ago why I'm still at Trinity. Most ministers last about five years and then move on. You know, they get five years of sermons and then they figure they can just go and repeat those somewhere else and then, you know, go golfing the rest of the week, I think. Why are you still here? Why are you still at Trinity? Thought it was a good question. 
I said, because of the promises that God has made. You know, God has made promises to this church, not just once, but He's repeated those promises over and over again. I stood here and I saw a balcony full of people and a church full of people. And then a complete stranger a month later walks in and says, you know what, in the service, I looked up and I saw a balcony full of people and a church full of people. You may think I'm kind of strange, never happens to me, but I'm just visiting today. God just told me to tell you. He didn't say it once, he said it twice. God said there's a river running outside and there's loads of fish in it and it's going to come up the aisle one day and God's going to open that door and he's going to flood this place. And then he gets a man from Guatemala to come over who's never set foot inside this church to walk in. And he says, God's shown me a picture of a river running by outside and God's going to open the door and that river's going to come in and the fish are just going to come in. This place is going to be full. He says it twice. The same thing twice. And when God says something twice, it comes to pass. It is a covenant commitment by God to do what he has said he is going to do. You want to know why I'm here? Because if I wouldn't be here, if I go off to some, some whatever church somewhere else, I will look back at Trinity and see God's promises coming to fruition and thinking, why didn't I stay? Why wasn't I part of that? Instead, I'm out in some rural place playing golf and, you know, walking a dog somewhere and recycling five years of sermons, or 18 years of sermons now, if I kept them all. No, I want to be with a place. I want to be like Samuel. I want to be in the place where God is moving. I want to be in the place where God's promises come to fruition. And I'm not leaving this place until I see that with my own eyes, till I experience that, because I believe God has called me to be part of that. And He's called you to be part of that too. To be part of the promises that He has given to us. And the promises that will come true in this place. You know, I had a, a meeting with some of the service pastors a little while ago. And we were talking about the evangelism and other things. And they were saying, like, why don't we do that now? Why don't we just go? And I said, it's not the time yet. It's not the time. We need to build the sanctuary first. We've got to do all this work first. I think that was wrong. Now is the time. When I was away in Sri Lanka, God said to me, he said, now's the time. Now's the time that door is going to open and we're going to see the promises of God start to come true. Now, we can't wait any longer. He's not allowing us to wait any longer. Today is the day where he says, Trinity, Trinity, I am going to do something new, something so amazing within you that the ears of all the neighbors around this church and the people living in the borough of Harrow are going to start tingling. Trinity is going to become on their mouths and on their lips because of what God is going to do in His house and through His people. He's going to bring people from all the corners of the earth, more than we have already. He's going to fill this place to overflowing so that we won't even, we'll have to come early to get a seat. Otherwise, we'll be in overflow. And He's going to do it not because I'm telling you He's going to do it, because He has promised. 
He is going to do it. And He's promised it over and over and over again through different people in different situations. And just as He promised Samuel that He's going to do a new move of God, so I believe that He's going to do a new move of Himself here in this place. Trinity, Trinity. See, I'm about to do something in Trinity that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Now the question is, is what is your reaction to that? Some of you are going, yeah, amen, Lord, bring it on now. Come on, do it. And there's others in this church that are going, no, 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 no. Maybe elsewhere, but not here. Look at all the churches around us. Look at the state they're in. Look, this is, this is you know, he may be do that in Africa, but he can't do that in the West. He's not going to do that in London, in Harrow. There's so many things against us, and we start to disbelieve what God has said. We disbelieve the promises. We don't accept the promises. But when God gives his word his word comes true it's not down to your faith or my faith it's down to his promise he didn't give Samuel an option he just said Samuel you're going to be part of it but I'm going to do something new something so amazing in Israel that people nations are going to be talking about it for you to be part of it You need two things. You need hunger, a hunger for God like you've never had before. And you need an expectation that God is going to use you and flow in you and through you to bring about what he's talking about. You know the biggest difference between the church here and the church in Sri Lanka where we were a couple of weeks ago is expectation. It's the one difference that I saw. They have great worship band. We have a great worship band. They have great preachers. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, they have good-looking preachers. All right, yeah, okay. But you know the one thing they got is expectation. They turn up to everything that's going with an expectation that God is going to do something in that service. They're there with, not that, yeah, we're going to come have a nice little, oh, wasn't that a nice service today? No, they come there with an expectation that the power of God is going to move in that service like it's never moved before. So when they have miracle services, they expect God to come and perform miracles. When they have weekly Sunday service, they expect God to come and transform their lives. And every service, hundreds of them come forward for prayer and for healing. And they expect God to do things, do something new today. When you woke up this morning, what expectation did you have when you thought about coming to church? Oh, it's Sunday today. What expectation did you have? Did you expect God to do something today? in this service or did you just come because well it's Sunday and I go to church on Sunday we need to grow ask God to grow that expectation let's, let's just pray Lord 
grow our expectation of you. Lord, I'm tired of coming to a service after service after service. Yeah, we have a good sing and we feel good and we fellowship and we meet with friends. But Lord, there is so much more that you want to do. You want to bring your healing and your wholeness into our lives. You want to stir us up and transform us so that we don't come in and leave as the same person. Lord, there are thousands and thousands of people around us that need to know you. And you're sending us out to go and talk to them and bring them in. The harvest is plentiful, you said. But Lord, we don't want to just bring them into a religious service. We don't want to just bring them into a nice singing and nice people and nice tea and coffee afterwards. We want to bring them into a place where you are flowing and working in their lives. Where you're going to bring transformation, where they sense your spirit in a way they've never sensed it before. And Lord, that you touch them and you change them and you touch me and you change me. Lord, bring your spirit. Do something new in Trinity Church. Open those doors, Lord, and usher in that new thing that you want to do. I don't know how big it is. I don't know where it's going to end up. We're not even ready, but Lord, bring it anyway. We'll never be ready. Lord, today, I pray, I ask, open those doors. Lord, bring those, bring that river in here today. Lord, from this time onwards, may we see new people come in every week. Lord, from this time onwards, may we see an outpouring of your spirit in this church like we've never seen before. From this day onwards, may we start to see more and more healings, more and more manifestations of your Holy Spirit in people's lives. May we see more relationships healed, marriages brought back together, sicknesses going, infirmities going. May we see a a hunger and a thirst for you like we've never seen before. And an expectation of what you're going to do that so stirs us that we can't wait to go to church on Sunday because we want to see the next installment of what you're going to do in people's lives. Lord, stir that within us. Do a new thing, something new in Trinity Church, Lord, as you did in Israel. Not for our benefit, not for our glory, but for yours alone. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you will use each one of us. Equip them. Give them the purpose that you have for them. Reveal it to them. And Lord, use them for your glory and for your honor. You've given them everything they need. You'll teach them everything they need to know. 
Use them, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, I thank you for the example of Samuel who went on to anoint kings and to pour out your blessing on a whole nation. Lord, as you used him, use us to transform not just this church, not just this borough, but this city for you. Do a new thing, Lord. Do something new. For we ask this in the name of Christ.